to Hebrews 11. Let's in no way shift our focus from where our uh, musicians just brought us, but we just continue on the path that they have led us down very well. So tonight uh, we will begin a, a teaching series that will take us all the way through till, uh, until Advent. And we're going to go very slowly through the 11th chapter of Hebrews Kind of one one thing at a time, and if you've ever if, you, if you've read it uh, before, or maybe you've heard of it referred to as the Hall of Faith, uh, an obvious pun. Um, it's just a list of um, some of the faithful examples that um, are a part of the history of Israel. And so, the writer of Hebrews, who um, most believe to be Paul, but he. He didn't sign it, you know, so some who think otherwise or whatever. But, uh, so if you hear me say the writer of Hebrews, that's kind of why. Um, but uh, I, I kind of think it was Paul. So I think what Paul is saying is uh, I think he's, in, in the context of, of the like, entire work of the book of Hebrews, he's, he's helping us to see exactly what faith is and what it looks like in real life and the role that it plays um, not only in how we live our lives, but like from God's perspective when he looks at how we're living um, just what a big deal it is. And so um, he goes through and he lists uh, all these things that were uh, these people who live by faith or um, things that we walk through that require faith. And he just gives them a list. And so we're going we're gonna to go real slowly through that list over the course of this semester. But tonight we're just going to do the first verse um, alone because we're going to kind of establish a baseline understanding of faith and what it means. Um, when I was a college student uh, at LSU, I didn't go to the, to the BCM, there was a BSU back then, uh, I didn't go to the BC, BCM until like halfway through my second year of school. And so when I started going to the BCM, there was, there was just already a culture kind of working, like things were happening or whatever. And uh, the BCM was not nearly as big as it is now as, like, as far as like numbers go. And so there were maybe, at TNT, they were like, I would say when I started going, like 50 to 75 was kind of like kind of a good, real like big night, and um, there were just all these things happening already, and so people my age just did what people before them had done and before them had done and whatever. And at the time, this doesn't exist now, but at the time there were these uh, different uh, groups that would go and they would go and travel to churches in the area and do like concerts on Sunday nights or. They would go in and help with VBS or do some different kids' things or whatever. And so you would have, like, vocal ensembles, like 10 people who could all sing or eight at least who could sing. And uh, they would go in and, like, learn some songs and go in on a Sunday night and do, like, a concert kind of deal and give testimonies and stuff like that. And So you had, like, uh, you had those groups, and then you had a, a drama team who would do, they learn all these skits and all this kind of stuff, and they would go in and do kind of the same thing. And, so when I started going to BCM, that was a regular part of the culture, and uh, each one of these groups had a name. And so one group, one of the singing groups was called Promise, uh, another one was called Blind Faith, and uh, another, the, the, the team that would do the skits, they were called Parable. And, uh, and so, um, 
So people who are not in those groups apparently came up with these nicknames to make fun of the groups. Uh, so promise was referred to as broken promise. Uh, blind faith was referred to as deaf faith. Because uh, I don't know why. There's just, I guess it's a funny name. And then parable was, of course, terrible. Uh, that's how they were known. And uh, so they would apparently talk, uh, make jokes at the expense, stuff like that. And so for some reason I was thinking in this, like prepping for this thing tonight about the, that group that was called Blind Faith, you know, and what a, um, it's just kind of like this, like a little cutesy little phrase kind of thing that has kind of emerged, I guess, in church culture, uh, or at least in the States, you know, and, um, you know, people will just say like, oh, you know, it's just got to take that, that blind leap, you know, guys, take that next step of faith, you know, it's blind faith, faith that really trusts in, you know, God and all this kind of stuff. And, um, just so we all understand, our faith is not blind. Like, that's a, that's a lie. Uh, and I'm, just, I'm not being critical if you ever named that group Blind Faith, but I'm saying is for us, we have to be able to hear the phrase blind faith and know that blind faith is not biblical faith. Those are not the same. You know, blind faith is, is, that's a kingdom of the world kind of thing. Biblical faith inside the kingdom of God is very, very different. Uh, our faith is very informed. And, um, and so in a semester where we're going to talk about faith and, and all of these, uh, like the patriarchs of, of our faith, uh, you know, of our Christian faith, um, we need to, to really know what that is and understand that they were not taking steps that were blind. Uh, they were taking steps that were very informed. So let's, let's look at this first verse uh, in Hebrews 11, uh, where, where uh, Paul, the writer of Hebrews, gives us um, a really good baseline. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. All right? The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So we're just going to leave this up there. We're going to kind of go through this um, so we can kind of understand it. So you kinda, it kind of breaks down into two things, assurance and conviction. Those are two big words if you're a note taker. Write assurance and write conviction. Assurance of what? Of things hoped for, conviction of what? Things not seen. Let's look at the first one. Um, assurance of things hoped for. Uh, what this is referring to is like these are the, the promises that God has made. Those are the things that are hoped for. Uh, now, it gets really, it's really tricky when you start talking about like promises of God and stuff. Because there's always people who are like, man, God, pr- just, he just promised me the other day that I was going to get a raise. You know? He promised me that uh, this person I'm dating, we're going to get married. Or he promised me that we were going to have kids soon. Or he, he promised me this, I was, he was going to give me a different job somewhere. Or he promised this, or promised this, or promised this. And, um, I think we're using the wrong word when we say those things. I don't think promise is what we need to be using. Because I don't think it's, it's what we're really meaning in the first place. We want it to be a promise. Uh, and I do believe that there are times when we sense that God is like heading you know, in a certain direction. But when we talk about the promises of God, we're talking about the things that you can, you can turn to in your Bible and you can point to it. You can underline it. You can highlight it. You can memorize it. The things that he's promised us in his word. Uh, faith, the first part of, of, of Paul's definition of faith here is it's the assurance of those things that you're hoping for. It's the assurance that God really is who he said that he is, and he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Um, you, can kind of, um, you can kind of break it down a little bit. 
I was kind of like trying to organize my notes a little bit. I think we're talking about the promises that he's made, them being true. That's what we're hoping. We're hoping that the things that he's told us about himself are all true. So what has he told us uh, about himself? Well, I'll give you three, three kind of broad categories. One, he's, give, he's told us about his character. Um, there are, are things about him that he's revealed to us in the scriptures. And some, some are things that he shares with you and I uh, as being made in his image. And there are some things that are just for him. Uh, so the things that are just for him, uh, the fact that he is all-knowing. He's, he's omniscient. So he, there, he literally knows everything about everything all the time. And not just a little bit. He's not Wikipedia. It's kind of taking a stab in the dark at a bunch of stuff. Like he knows every detail of everything, how everything works. Um, he knows what you're thinking, what I'm thinking. He knows our motives. He knows um, that there is this all-knowing about everything in the entire universe all the time capacity that God has. He doesn't share that with us. That's just for him. Uh, but he's told us that about himself. He's, he's told us that he, is, um, that he is completely loving. And that's something he shared with you and I, right? He's shared with us the capacity to love and to love our enemies as well as our friends and our family. Uh, the ability to, to love in the midst of really weird circumstances and stuff like that, not just when it's obvious or easy. He shared that with us. Um, he functions outside of time. Okay? He's not, that's not something he shared with us. So we're going moment to moment in a very linear way. You know, we don't know what the next 10 seconds hold, but he sees it all at one time, which is kind of hard to fathom at once. But he's not surprised by what's coming next. Uh, he, he looks at everything in one, one deal. And so here we are uh, having to trust moment by moment in the one who sees exactly what's coming next and is willing to guide us through. Uh, he's told us that about his his character. Um, he's told us that he's, he's always good. There is, there's never a situation where he's going to handle something poorly. Uh, that in all things, he is good all of the time. Um, he's told us that he is um, patient and kind, uh, that he is compassionate, that he, um, he's Love, he's joy, he's peace, he's patience, he's kindness, he's goodness, he's faithfulness, he's gentleness, he's self-control. He's, he's all those things. These are all the things he's told us about his character. And so some of, what, of that assurance of things hoped for is we're hoping with this assurance that, he, that all those things he said about himself are true. And we're not hoping in some kind of way of like, man, I'm really crossing my fingers hoping that he's not a big liar. That's not what assurance means. So we're saying, like, no, 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 like, that, that's the thing that's hoped for, and I'm sure that it, he is exactly all that he said he is. So he's told us about his character. He's also told us about his plan for all things, right, which can be summed up in the, by saying, I'm, he said, I'm making all things new. That's his plan for you. It's his plan for me. It's his plan for the earth. It's his plan for uh, the, just everything that we see around us, that he's working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, that, that he has this plan that's, that's constantly being rolled out, um, and it's one where he's incapable of making a mistake because he's holy. And so he's, he's told us all these things about his plan. And so he's revealed his character. He's revealed these things about his plans. And he's also revealed to us how he's going to relate to us and to you and to me. 
And so that's the third one, is this, these relational promises that he's made. So while, while he has never promised you a spouse, or that you would have a child, or that you will get a raise, or that, you know, whatever, he has promised you that he will never leave you or forsake you, right? That he will be with you always, even until the very end. He has promised you that because you are his, you will never want for anything, and that he will always lead you to the best, and he'll give you no reason to be afraid, um, that he will take care of those fears, that he will lead you down the path of righteousness for his name's sake, and that even when that path takes you, you through the worst things that life has to offer, you don't have to be afraid because he's with you. Like we were just singing, his presence is there in fullness. His strength and his his faithfulness and His comfort and his, uh, his presence and all those things will always be with us, that He prepares a table before us, that, that there's a relationship there, that He's constantly strategically arranging our lives in such a way that His goodness and His mercy follow us all the days of our lives, all the way until that path takes us into His presence forever, where we dwell in His house as His children. He's saying, that's how I'm going to relate to you. You can take it to the bank as a guaranteed promise That's the relational side of it. So he's made these promises to us about who he is, what he's going to do, and how that's going to impact you and I. He's promised us these things. And so faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the the confident belief that, that, that all that stuff is true. That it's not a gamble, that we're not rolling the dice, and we're not crossing our fingers, and we're not wishing and hoping that that happens. We're saying like, no, that's who my God is. And that's what he's doing, and that's how he cares for me. That's faith in that. It's assurance of those things being true. And when I think about it in those terms, you know, I'm like, man, that's, that's beautiful, right? And I hope you're kind of the same way. I hope you're like, man, that's, I'm, I'm on board with that. I like this. Faith is not intimidating. It's not, it's not mean. It's not... Him, you know, kind of like, uh, like when you ever seen like, the, like a horse that's going forward and they're like dangling the carrot out in front of it. That's not what he's doing. He's not leading us into, or manipulating us into weird things. He's leading us to himself and where he is. Everything, everything is filled with goodness. And so that's the first aspect that Paul says. It's the assurance of things hoped for. So the second thing, the conviction of things not seen. Okay, so what, is, what in the world does this mean? Here's what, what we can think about with this. These are, it's how those promises, those things hoped for, it's how that impacts the future. It's how it impacts the future in such a way that causes you to act. It's the conviction of things not yet seen. All right, conviction, that's an, an action word. It's when you, you do something about it. You're, you're moving into the unseen because you believe those promises are true. You believe, it dip, you believe it deeply. And it moves you and it moves me. And so how are those promises going to impact our future? And this is where I think the, this is where the blind faith idea just completely falls apart. Because sometimes we get really hung up on the, the things not seen part of it. And what that is, is really saying, it, it is in a linear sense, we don't know what's happening next. 
That's the things not seen. It's not this like, uh, what's happening in the spirit realm? What's happening in the, you know, or what's happening in my house right now? I can't see it. It's not saying that. It's saying, it's like the clock is ticking moment by moment. We don't know what's coming. We don't know what's coming. And so we're constantly, if you think about it, we're constantly moving into the future in this way. So faith is always about what's coming. It's never about where you've been. And it's really not even about the present because the present is being wasted in a sense, moment by moment. Faith is always forward thinking. And so we're moving into the unknown constantly, minute by minute. And sometimes we're facing things with family and with work and with personal things we're going through and decisions we have to make, conversations that need to happen. And there's all this unknown in front of us. It's the conviction of in the, in the things that are unseen, those promises are still going to be true. So I go into the, into the future, into what he's got for me, filled with conviction. And, and that conviction is moving me forward into those things because I'm not scared anymore. That's why our faith is not blind. And the thing is, the, the things that are unseen, think about it in, in this way, the things that are unseen are ridiculously informed by the things that we have seen. Right? The unseen is informed by the things that we have seen. All right? I'll give you, I'll give you one example that makes sense and one that may not. Okay? Uh, so a couple weeks ago, uh, we, you know, Alex and Preston King moved to India and uh, the staff, uh, we were the escorts to take them over there and kind of help them get settled in and stuff like that. And so uh, when you go to India, it involves uh, some really long rides on an airplane. Uh, the, the, our flight from Houston to uh, Qatar, or Qatar, however you want to say it, uh, was like 15 hours. And then we took a, then a five-hour one from there into Calcutta. So like a 15 hours on an airplane. Uh, it's kind of brutal. It's just, you, you just really learn very quickly like, to mix the, the perfect little like, cocktail of like, Benadryl and melatonin and whatever. It's just going to knock you out for like 8 to 10 hours of, of that flight. And then you wake up and you still have like 6 hours to go and it's horrible. And so um, that's just kind of part of it, uh, part of international travel. Um, and so but the thing is, like, for most people, that's the longest you're going to be. That's like, those are the, some of the longest flights that these airlines will take is that long. So it takes a weird kind of faith to get into an airplane and be like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that this sucker can climb to 40,000 feet and just hang there for 15 hours while the earth turns underneath us. And we take this really weird path where we go like basically over the North Pole and come around the other side, and we're going to land in the Middle East, you know, of all places, uh, for a layover or whatever. It takes this really strange kind of faith. And so, um, so there were six of us that were on this trip. One of, one of the six had never flown ever. And that's Mr. Gaspard. He had never been on an airplane before. Uh, and, and so, like, I mean, if you're, you know, be a grizzly, right? If you're going to take a first flight, make it 15 hours. And so, um, and so that was his longest flight. Alex had been over before. Preston had been over before. Chris hadn't been. Meg hadn't been. Uh, so for half of us, we kind of knew what was up. But for the other half, this was like the greatest step of faith in regard to air travel had ever been taken for them, Right? So what, you know, what made all six of us get on that plane? Like, what, what allows you to place, to go into the future with that kind of confidence? Well, it's a number of things. One of them is that there are thousands of flights that happen all the time. And yeah, there are some, yeah, some, some bad things happen sometimes with airplanes. But statistically, it's a really safe way to travel. Um, I had been on several of those flights before. And so I, 
As far as what was unseen about our particular fight, fight, I had already seen it happen and experienced it several times before. And I'd come back and I'd told them about it and I'd help them get ready for things. Um, and, and so the thing is, you watch airplanes take off and land all the time. You see them flying all the time. We have this confidence in what is to be expected. So, so while even though like, you're kind of like every time, you, that, it takes those big planes a long time to get off the ground. And every single time we're going, we're going, going, and I'm thinking, we should probably be off the ground by now. But, but and then it, gets, it gets to going, and then a quick 15 hours later, and you're there. There's, but there, we just, there's a faith that it took, but it wasn't a blind faith. It was very much informed by the things that we had seen, the stories that we had, had heard, the experiences that I had had and shared with them, and that Preston had had, and Alex had had, had and um, the other flight experiences. And so even Andrew, even though it was his first flight ever, he wasn't sitting there crying as we took off. You know, like he wasn't scared to death. He trusted because... <laughs> he wasn't. Because we were all watching him. <laughs> In fact, there is a video of him walking down the like, jetway for the first time. We're all, we were all geeked out, and he was totally cool. But we were like, oh, it's his first flight. And so... Um, I lost my train of thought. But anyway, uh, because, of, because of all the things that we had seen and all the, all the experiences that had had, and so we had, we're like, let's go. Let's go into the unknown of the future with confidence because we have nothing you know, to really fear that's going to keep us from moving forward. It was informed. We had an informed decision to take that, that flight. Um, the other thing I was thinking about is, is you know, um, in uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, uh, of course, there's this like great scene where there's this big like uh, abyss type thing, and he has all these tests he has to go on, and one of them is this test of faith that he's gonna that he's gonna take a step into the in like off this like cliff, and that this bridge is gonna like appear. You know, he has to trust that God's not gonna let him fall, that he's gonna take the step or whatever. And uh, spoiler, it it works, it's fine. The bridge goes out, and he throws sand across it and where he can see it and he goes or whatever. Um, but I remember like when I was like coming through school, uh, through like high school and stuff and that, that was like a big illustration that youth ministers would use all the time about Indiana Jones and his, his step of faith, his leap of faith. You know, that he had to trust that God wasn't going to let him fall, step into this abyss, you know. And, and when I think back on it, I'm like, what a, what a terrible way to teach faith. What a, what a terrible way to think about that. We're just walking through life blind. And like, like God's this cruel master who's not going to give us any information, anything about him, anything or whatever. He's just like, you've got to trust me. You've got to be completely blind. And you're just like, we're not fumbling around in the dark. It's, he's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. How? Through our knowledge of him who's called us to his own glory and goodness. That's what the Bible tells us. And so the conviction of things unseen, it's not blind faith. And the things that we have seen inform us as we move into the unseen of the future. And so you take those together, assurance and conviction of the things hoped for, the promises that God has made to us about who He is, and believing that those things are, are true in such a way that it causes us to act. So I'm assured that what I believe is true. Therefore, I move confidently into the future. Whether it's minute by minute, or situation by situation, or big life trajectories as they shift, whatever it is, there's this confidence in knowing who he is and who's the boss of all this stuff. So, so you take that verse and you're like, okay, 
Faith is not blind. So what, what does that have to do with the fact that, that, man, I'm facing some big decisions right now? Maybe decisions about school, maybe decisions about relationships in various ways, maybe it's some family stuff, maybe it's some trials that you're going through, maybe it's really difficult times at work, maybe there's some financial obstacles that are there. All the things that we're going through, and you're like, okay, uh, if, if we're called to live by faith and not by sight, what does that really mean? What does that look like? Live by faith, not by sight. And maybe that's where another place where some of this blind faith stuff comes from. But it's not true, because what that verse is saying, when, when, when you read in 2 Corinthians 5, when he's saying, we live by faith and not by sight, what he's saying is, we don't operate, we're not, we're not guided by the same stuff as, as people outside the kingdom of God are guided by. We're guided in a completely different way. We're guided by faith instead of what we're seeing and what we're feeling and, and our flesh. We're guided by the fact that God is like in charge of all this stuff and everything's going to be fine. And we're guided by the fact that this is not our home. We're going to get to that in this chapter. And I thought about reading it, but if I read it, we're going to be here for another like three hours. So I'm not going to read it. But that's a part of what Paul is getting at. He's like, people who talk like this and think like this and function this way, this is not home for them. They're not from here. That we live in the kingdom of God. And our hope is thrown way down in the future. Our hope is placed and found in Jesus, and that's it. And so how do we live by faith and not by sight in the various things that we're facing? How do we work our way through and process the things that are hoped for and the things that are not yet seen and how assurance and conviction fit into those? Um, well, let, me just, let me give you like a, a, maybe like a, four, a four-step process, so to speak. I always hate doing stuff like that. Don't you hate how convenient sermons are sometimes? Like... You know, the three P's of peace, you know, it's like, that's not what I'm here to do. I'm not here to give you a process. It's not an abracadabra, a formula type thing that's going to work. But if you want to work your way through this, I do believe, like when, I think when we read the Psalms, I think some of what we're reading at times is, uh, we're seeing David and, and these other folks who wrote these Psalms, I think we're seeing their process, you know. I think we're seeing them encounter something and they're sitting down, and because they're wired up in such a way where they're, they're poets, they're, they're, there's like this creative writing where they're working through some of these issues. And that's why sometimes, you know, like David starts off and he's like, everything's so terrible and I hate everything. And then a couple of verses later, he's like, but you, you are my rock and my salvation. And you're like, oh, okay. And then he comes out of it and he's like, therefore, I'm going to go this way. You know, and you're like, what? Did three different people write this? It's like, no, sorry. No, one person wrote it. But maybe not in one sitting, you know. Maybe he wrote a little bit when he was super upset. And as he processed it, maybe he, he arrived at some truth and he was reminding himself of who God is. And maybe a couple of days later he came back, he's like, okay, here's where my process has brought me. And so steps and those kind of things, maybe that's not the right way to word it. But if you're trying to process and you're like, I want to be a person that lives in that Hebrews 11.1 kind of way. I want to live by faith and not by sight. Let me maybe give you some, some ways that you can work through that. Okay, here's, there's four of them. Here's the first one. Uh, you ask yourself this question. Okay, what is he leading me into? All right, what is he leading me into? That's very different than saying like, okay, what am I facing right now? What am I up against? What's next for me? Because one is very self-reliant. And one is realizing, oh man, he's leading me down a path of righteousness 
maybe that path of righteousness is leading me into something that's kind of unclear. I'm not really sure what to do about it. What's he leading me into as far as family or work or money or school or relationships and all these kinds of things? What's he leading me into? It, it puts him in, in, the, in the driver's seat, right? We've talked before about like, this like, Jesus take the wheel mentality and how, how like, goofy it is when you think about it. You know the song, Jesus Take the Wheel, and she gets to the point where she's like, I can't do it anymore, you take the wheel. Nah, that's, not, that's not what we're called to live by. He's not this last resort. What's he leading me into? It's, it's, it's realizing, like, oh, my life is not my own, my life is his. He's leading me into this. And what he leads you into, it may be difficult, but there's a lot, there's, it's filled with goodness and, and mercy. And so, um, what's, he, what's he leading you into? So I'll give you an example with, with all four of these. Last week I talked about some, just some adjustments that we're making uh, here just with the way kind of staff functions and, and related to some other things and how our groups function. And um, There's just a number of things, and maybe you saw the email about it and whatever. So this is, like I said, it's months of working through this. And so, like, for me, like, in my role, and I, I would say also for staff and elders, it's the same thing. We just began to sense that he was leading us, leading us into something that maybe was going to be, uh, just require some different things, some adjustments. And so, uh, so that was the, the first recognition had to be, like, well, um, he's, he's drawing us in this direction. It's not the elders trying to make some changes, or the staff trying to do this, or people trying to determine this, or not wanting to be this, or whatever. It's this recognition, like, oh, like, he's drawing us. Um, like maybe maybe a little more toward the right at this at this moment when we kind of thought we were going straight for a long time. He's like, no, let's veer a little bit this way, but I'm going to lead you in this way. And so the, that was that's the first thing is is an acknowledgement of like, okay, what's he leading me into? The second one, uh, ask yourself, what are what are the things hoped for in this situation? What are the things hoped for? And I would I would say like if you're trying to process through some stuff, I would say make a list of things. Like, write it down. Um, what are the things that you're hoping for? What are the things about the character of God and the plan of God and the, relation, the relational promises of God? What are the things that you're hoping for in this? So in, in, in our situation as a church, we were, the things we were hoping for was that, uh, like, that the sovereign like, creator, ruler of the universe, who, the genius who created the church in very specific ways, um, that he was going to like, uh, like lead us because we are his bride. Because he's made promises to his bride. That he's going to love her in certain ways. That's, those were some of the things that we were hoping for. We were hoping for these things based on, on uh, a couple of things we'll talk about in a second. But we're hoping that he would be the perfect husband to us as a church. Just like he said he would. That when he married us at the cross... The promises that he has made to us through that action and in the scriptures that he would make, he will make good on those promises. That he would lead us faithfully forward in the perfect ways that he's designed us as a church. Those were the things hoped for. Now we didn't make a list because I wasn't at this point yet in things. But if I could have a do-over, we would have made a list because I think it's important to know who who exactly we're praying to, and you remind yourself of those things. So in regard to your family or your job or all these different things, what about the character of God are you hoping to see, like, be true? And not in a blind faith kind of way. And I know, like, these are the promises I'm, I'm claiming, I'm grabbing onto, I'm believing, I'm choosing to believe that he has said this and he's going to do it. 
Then the third thing, um, what have I seen that informs the unseen? Okay, what have I seen that informs the unseen? And again, I would make a list. What have you seen him do in your family, in other people's families, in your life? What have you seen him do in regard to career or money or school or difficulties in relationships or, or just personal sin struggles that you're working your way through? What have you seen him do? I would make a list. So for us, some of the things we've seen him do, one, we've seen the fact that, that basically Christianity should, should not have survived to this point. So here we are in 2013, uh, and we shouldn't be here. So that proves that his plan for the church works. So we've seen that. We've seen the church weather every cultural storm and whatever and weirdness that's ever happened. So if our little like, things here that we're trying to work our way through, they're, they're nothing. They're nothing compared to that. We've seen, we, we saw him lead a group of random college students in uh, January of 2000 to pray and seek his face and to get this general sense that he was leading us in the direction of planting a church. And we watched him step by step by step lay things out and show us how to do a constitution and how to put your beliefs together and how to set up elders and all this kind of stuff. And when you got, all of a sudden we have these kids, so we've got to have a nursery and we don't know how to do this. And we don't know how to do this. And every single step of the way, he's led us time after time after time after time. At no point have we stood there being like, we don't know what to do. And he's like, sorry, I'm too busy taking care of this. At no point has that happened. And so all those things that we have seen have informed the unseen of whatever this, these next steps are going to entail for us. And so I would make a list. And so now, at this point, your list, it looks like, this is what he's leading me into. These are all the things that I'm hoping, that I'm hoping for, not wishing for, not blindly, whatever for. I'm hoping to see uh, him prove to be true. And then here, here's a list of all the reasons that I have to believe that that list is absolutely going to be the case. And so the fourth thing, you begin to look to the future and like, okay, what's my next step of faith? What's, what's my next step? So several months ago, the next step, maybe it was like, pray some more, pray some more. Then maybe it was like, all right, uh, in staff meeting, you and Meg need to have the conversation about this. And then it was pray more, and it was pray more, and it was like, talk to some of the elders, and it was pray more, and it was talk to more of the elders, and it was pray more, and it was let the elders have a meeting that you aren't in charge of with the staff, and it was pray more. It was pray more, and it was put a sermon together uh, but don't preach it for a month. And then it was uh, go to South Africa and minister. And then it was go to India and minister. And then it was come back and really jet lag, preach a sermon. And then it was try to put that sermon in a long email uh, that I'm sorry about. Uh, and, then, uh, and then it's come in here and start this new series and move on and trust that he's in charge of things. That's the next step for us. And it's we're going to figure it out Monday and we're going to figure it out Tuesday and we're going to figure it out Wednesday and Thursday. And, but we're going to figure those things out. Those are the next steps of faith completely informed by the fact that he's not, going to, he's not going to lead us into destruction and he's not going to lead us into a place that's going to be for anything but his glory, um, which it means our good because that's how we were all created. And it's the same for your family. It's the same for you. It's the same for whatever it is that we're facing. It's all the same. But sometimes we need to sit down and process it instead of just checking out and be like, I don't know, I'll just figure it out tomorrow. He says, no, 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 don't live by sight. That's, what, that's, that's outside the kingdom of God. Inside the kingdom of God, we live by a very, very informed, fully lit faith. And that's how he designed us to live. And so we're going to go through Hebrews 11 for the next several weeks. We're going to look at all these examples of people who figured this out in ways that we can learn from them. But 
it meets us right where we are because it, it won't be true only at the end of this series. It's true right now, right this second. That that's reality for you and for me. That all the things we're hoping for are true. We have all these reasons to realize that, yeah, no, that's, that's, this is for real. This is for real, and he's for real. And so I don't know how it fits into your life, but I guarantee you it does. It fits into all of our lives. And so I hope it's good for you to hear some of these things and to see in one verse there's just so much there to unpack. Um, so what we're going to do is I'm going to pray, and we're going to just respond a little bit uh, through song and let him kind of pack some dirt in over the top of what he's uh, been stirring in us. And so let me invite you to stand. The band's going to come back up. Let me, I just want to pray for us as we head into a time just to respond for a few minutes. Lord, I thank you so much for, um, for the fact that we are not in this alone. As we uh, were singing about earlier, through what you have done, we are now connected fully to your presence again. And where you are present, everything changes. Where your spirit is, there's freedom. We're free from having to live by sight. And having to look at circumstances and emotion and fear and doubt and all these kinds of things that, that exist outside the kingdom. And that's how, when you live outside the kingdom, you live by sight. And that leads to destruction. Inside the kingdom, we live by faith. We thank you that our faith is not blind. And sure, there's, there's an element of uncertainty as we live moment by moment because we don't know what's coming. But we are being cared for and loved and guided by the one who does. And so we thank you that you're, you're not going to lead us off a cliff. Uh, you're not leading us to destruction. You're leading us to yourself. We thank you for the long list of promises that we have and how beautifully you've, you've laid out in your word things about who you are and what you're doing and how you want to care for us and love us. We thank you that we can make a super long list of all the things that we've seen you do. And I pray, God, that those things wouldn't be lost on us, that we wouldn't just panic and freak out just because we aren't sure what to do next. But we would just simply look to you and that we would trust you. That we would live lives that are assured of the things we're hoping for and that our conviction would move us into the unseen with great confidence and love. So Lord, I just ask that you would help us to apply these things to whatever we're wherever we are right now, whatever you're leading us toward. And as we respond and as we sing a little bit, God, may this, this be good time for our souls and for our minds that you would use this, these songs to remind us of the truths that we need as we get ready to go back out uh, into uh, the lives that you have for us outside of this place.